Hello, friends, and welcome to the Exploring Washington State podcast. My name is Scott Cowan, and I'm the host of the show. Each episode, I have a conversation with an interesting guest who is living in or from Washington State. These are casual conversations with real and interesting people. I think you're going to like the show. So let's jump right in with today's guest. Well, I'm sitting here today with Tammy Asars. Tammy is, well, Tammy, I got, I'm going to, I'm going to, I totally warned you what we're going to do, and then I'm going to just totally change it up. So in your book, first off, you're the author of Fall Color Hikes, Washington on Mountaineer Press, which is very, it's a beautiful book. I'm just going to hold it up for you so you know that I have it. Um, there's a line in there that we're going to start with, okay? Now, look at me. I am obviously not an outdoors person. So what did you mean when you say dress like a Dorito? <laughs> well, obviously the fall hiking, the fall hiking time frame coincides with the mountain hunters. So uh-huh. you have a lot of country folks out there looking to bag different things based on what tags they've drawn. And so, you know, safety first. And so if you can wear some glaze orange, some people are not quite clear on that, but it's pretty easy to grab a bandana or even a hat or something at one of the sporting goods stores, tie a bandana to your pack at very minimal, you know, just look like a Dorito, Cheeto. So not, so not a cool ranch Dorito, but the original old school orange, going to stain my fingers Dorito. I'm going old school taco style bag. All right. Burrito. Okay. All right. Yeah. Also very tasty. They have them out now. I saw. <laughs> there we go. So thanks for playing along with that. So Tammy, you're you're an author. You're a hiker. You're a photographer. How? Look, give us give my audience a little bit of the backstory of how how did you get started becoming an out an outdoors person, a hiker, climber, you know, all of that. Yeah, uh, I guess it's always sort of been in my blood Um, from the time I was young. You know, we all play as kids outdoors, and that's always sort of imprinted on us. Uh, Mine went a little further than that. I had a really active family that loved to do lots of trips to the outdoors, and we did a lot of hiking and, you know, that kind of thing as a kid and backpacking. And then as I got, got older, I found this tremendous amount of soul food in the backcountry, as many of us do. And uh, during college, I would, my study, my library was the top of mountains. So I would take my books and I would go up to the top of mountains. I was burning the candle at both ends, but for me, that was my happy place. So I'd take all my studies up to the tops of these peaks and I'd sit there and work on homework until either I fell asleep or got bit by too many ants or <laughs> whatever. And then I'd, I'd head back down and, uh, I quickly realized that, you know, I spent so much time trying to follow my head in this life when really following your heart brings quite a bit of happiness. So I shifted gears. I was doing uh, marketing and I had a great job doing marketing for this company um, and was, you know, doing a lot of writing through that with customer case studies and uh, project management type things that all focused around writing. And during that very stressful marketing job, I found my happy place again, still in the woods. So I could find myself sort of breaking free and unleashing from all the stresses of life out there. So I kept wandering out to the woods and I kept doing all these hikes. One of the trails that I did way back, you know, shoot, was it 20, 23 years ago was a Wonderland trail. Uh, and it was, it was just such soul food to be out there for it's, it's a 93 mile loop. And so I came back from that and 
uh, it wasn't too terribly long in my marketing career when I had been in the industry for a while and was let go of my job because they were relocating the company. And I had an option to move out of Washington and stay with the company or stay, you know, or stay in Washington and just reshift gears. So I chose the second option and ended up sort of floating around life as you do sometimes trying to figure out what to grab onto. And I kept coming back to the outdoor industry. It was where my heart was. And so I started working retail at REI and um, my husband at the, you know, he was at that particular time, not, not quite sure that that was a real good move. Cause I had just come from <laughs> a, a pretty good job <laughs> and I was like, I want to go work retail. I really haven't done this. And I really want to go see what that's all about. And he was like, okay, all right, well do, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So. Okay. So off I went to REI and I quickly found a home with the, all the outdoors uh, kins, kinsmen like myself and just had a blast. I love the company. I loved working there. Um, I started um, teaching classes. I became a uh, an outdoor guide with REI Adventures. I uh, guided backpacking trips on the Northern Loop Trail in Mount Rainier. And then I started teaching a lot of outdoor classes. And one of the outdoor classes I actually taught was on the Wonderland Trail. And as I started teaching the classes more and more, I the handout got thicker and thicker and thicker to the point where I realized I was wasting a lot of the copy fluids and paper on printing. And I was like, we need a book. I need to write a book on this. So it was kind of a funny comment in passing, um, but really... The interesting thing about that very moment of enlightenment was like, at some point I said, oh my goodness, the universe has been pointing me in this direction the entire time. I had this degree, I had been writing, I had been focusing on the outdoors my whole life. I had been in the outdoors on all these backcountry hikes. I've hiked so much of Washington state, almost the whole thing. And it's like, and now this moment came where I was like, I need to write a book. I need to be an author. This is what my life's goal has to be. So I just um, figured out how to make that happen. I went a really long sort of circuitous route around to find um, my career and my dream. And here I am, Scott. So I have uh, five books. I'm working on six and another will be seven. Uh, I just got another contract. So um, life is life is great. Well, I don't know that your career is, if this is this nowhere is the pinnacle of your career. So just, you know, just kidding. So, <laughs> but okay. I want to ask this question because when I talk to authors, uh, one of the things that, you know, a lot of authors share with me is, you know, the book, the book just had to be written. I mean, it just, it was there. I, I was just the, the vessel through which the book had to come out, things like that. Now you were in marketing and so you were doing case studies and things like that, but did you ever think when you were going to school or as a kid that someday you'd, you'd be an author, write a book? Uh, you know, when I look back, so I, in sixth grade, won a poetry contest. I had a little poetry book I put together. Um, then in high school, I was flown to Washington, D.C., where I participated in an essay contest for the president, and I actually won that essay contest. There had been like little threads and veins and signs this whole oh. time of it. And it's funny how life works, right? Because 
I mean, you, I don't know if you ever thought maybe someday I'll be a podcaster, but here we are. Right. And so, but if you look back in your life, you've probably always been great at conversation and like enjoying talking to people. And so it's like, there's always these little sparks and right. things that you grab onto when you're younger that you don't really understand at that time. But then you kind of look back on it and you go, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I was always sort of predestined to do this. I just never realized it till it kind of slapped me in the face. All right. Well, so I'm old. Podcasting wasn't a thing when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah. But but that being said, in, in high school, I, I did have aspirations of being a DJ for a radio yeah. station. And then I realized that I like to eat too much and that the 3 a.m. agricultural report in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, wasn't something I really was interested in doing. I, I really yeah. wanted to be on. Well, I grew up in the Tacoma area in the yeah. And I I went to high school in the late seventies, and so KISW um, and yeah. KZOK, and those those people were like they were cool. Um, yeah, they probably were poor, but they were cool. And uh, I, you know somebody that's probably I don't remember him being there that early, but you know some I think uh, he may have been in yeah the East Coast at that time. Yeah, but but the point yeah. is I think there are ways to make a living in that industry. It just I wasn't enthusiastic enough to try. So let's just put that <laughs> one. All right. But I, I have a question. So you talk about the Wonderland Trail. And one of the things that your website brings up, and when we when we when we talked on the, the pre-interview on the phone call, you mentioned something you wanted me to bring up and in, in, in this is a terrible setup, but you're a triple crowner. And now when I think of triple crown, I think of horse racing. If I think of horse racing, I, I'm hoping that somebody else in my audience is that way too. So for, for my one audience listener who doesn't understand this, can you explain your triple crowner and what that means? Yeah, so the triple crown of hiking is sort of an, I guess you could call it just an, uh, sort of an, there's no, there is an official organization that tracks it, but it's more, you know, sort of honor system. You have to provide photos and all that to say you okay. did it. But basically it's someone who has hiked the entirety of the Pacific Crest Trail, the Continental Divide Trail and the Appalachian Trail. So okay. for those that aren't familiar with hiking or aren't really in the outdoor industry, the Pacific Crest Trail is roughly 2650. The CDT is 31. And I'm probably getting these, um, a little okay. bit off with change. And then the AT is, is roughly 2,200 miles. So um, it's, it's a lot of hiking. It's yeah. when you consider the ins and outs of towns, when you consider the ups and downs and start points and things you're shifting and doing it's it's almost 8,000 miles of, of hiking. <laughs> and, um, and it's not, it's, it's not like this big prestigious award that you want to like wave your flag around. I mean, it's something to be proud of for sure. But I think most of the people that do it aren't like going, oh, I've got to get my triple crown. Most of the people that do it are truly addicts like myself <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that have perhaps the screw loose or some issues. And I'm saying that with all the love, all you hiker trash out there. Um, we are just people that love the trail and we love the trail to a fault. Um, we enjoy being out there for months at a time, sleeping on uncomfortable surfaces that would make most people cry, um, using toilets that involve, um, digging in dirt and not having running water. And, uh, 
Why we like it is a mystery to many of us, but I think, you know, for the same reasons that I got into this industry, as I mentioned earlier, there is endless soul food. Um, every day you're seeing something different. Every day there's scenery coming by you that's, and new experiences every day. You're meeting people every day. Um, people stop on the road for you and just visit and hand you a bag of cherries. I mean, there's things that happen out there that are, you realize what an amazing place this earth is and how much humanity is just good because all we see uh, you know a lot of in the news and media is this negativity and you get out there and there's so much positive to be found and there's really really cool things and wildlife and animals and there's just a lot to see so um so yeah collectively i've spent about let's see 14 months non-stop hiking those those three tail trails if you put them all together i did them in different years and you didn't do them all at once from start to finish. You you, no. you broke them up. Okay. There is that though. People do that. It's called a calendar year triple crown. They do it in one year. So I'm not as cool as those people. Don't well, kid yourself. Cool, crazy <laughs> means the same, maybe. Oh, wow. So you're telling me, wait a second. You're telling me that there are people out there that hike all three of these trails in a calendar year. One year. Yeah. It's the latest and greatest. Because you know how it can't just be like, something someone does like uh we'll say like in in ice skating okay it used to be a triple toe loop who could do a triple toe loop and now it's probably a quadruple toe loop or whoever the ice skaters out there could probably tell you but right. it's like the, the boundaries of humanity are being pushed in this day and age further than they ever have the human spirit for exploring for physicality for athleticism are just the boundaries are just exploding and so it used to be like hardly anybody hiked one of these trails. Now people are hiking all three of these trails and getting triple crowns. And now there's people that are like, that's even cooler to do in one year. So let's do this. So they start in January and they do a lot of flipping and flopping because logistically it's very difficult with the snow. Mm -hmm. um, you can start in the South in January usually. And so they'll hike maybe up to as far as they can towards Katahdin, Maine but they'll get turned back by snow at some point. Then they'll have to flip to the desert on the Continental Divide Trail or the Pacific Crest Trail and do that portion. And then at some point they might go north to south, you know, south to north or. Um, so they're not, they're not going from starting point A to finish line B. They're, they're moving it around to come to allow for weather conditions. Has anyone that you're aware of ever done the, all three in a year starting, you know, starting, starting line, finish line, starting line, finish, you know, in their entirety in one swoop type thing. I don't think it's possible. It's, but I say that, but humanity is just blowing my mind lately. So it's entirely <laughs> possible. It has been done. Wow. Um, most of the challenge is like uh, the snow, right? So you mm -hmm. still have, you've got January, through and then you have roughly these people are doing 40 to 50 mile days usually averaging high 40s to 50s and they have to do that every single day to make this goal i mean there might be a couple of days where they're traveling and things but otherwise that's their pattern so when you think about how fast that is they're trying to get you know up to maine they're starting in january they're trying to get well we'll just take the appalachian trail for example starting in january trying to get to maine and they're going to hit the new england states like the whites and it's it's flat out dangerous they're going to get into avalanches and you know stuff so they so logistically the mountains are are giving them a, a run for their money with doing it that way but it's possible someone has wow yeah. Um, that's just, it's mind boggling to me that they yeah. do it period, much less, you know, in 
calendar the, year. These are some amazing people, and they're they're tough as nails. Like they're gritty. They're awesome. They're they're hardcore. I've had a couple of other guests on that have done the PCT, and their stories are you know it's it's fascinating to me. You mentioned humanity and all this. Another guest I had on was talking about um, climbing Rainier, and and I don't want to say what the what the time he told me was, but it was like four hours to summit Rainier. These guys are literally like running up the mountain. Yeah. And just, you know, that's, it, it's amazing what humans can do if they put their mind to something valuable or not. I'm not trying to say any of these are valuable or not valuable, but imagine, you know, you can put your mind to doing something very important or you can put your mind to something very frivolous and you'll accomplish both. I don't know that hiking or speed climbing Rainier in four hours is, I mean, it's pretty impressive. I mean, I'll be honest with you. That's, that's downright, that's downright crazy to me. So one question totally, and I think I warned you and if I didn't, well, join, welcome to the ride. But one question you, you said earlier, you said you, you pretty much have hiked probably all the trails in Washington state, but one that something that you haven't mentioned, and I haven't seen when I've done my research on you, have you ever done the Palouse to Cascades? Uh, portions of it. I've never ridden the whole thing. So um, I, I say ridden because uh, a lot of folks, you know, they ride it on their, on their bikes. Uh -huh. um, yeah. I think it would be a fun one to do. I think that one actually would be great for somebody who's looking to do sort of a fun through hike that ends up being, you know, a little flatter and maybe a little easier for folks. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's awesome that we have that. Yeah, I know. It's kind of what I, a gem in the state. Well, I didn't, you know, this is, you know, how my world exists. I drove underneath an underpass one time that said Palouse to Cascades. I'm like, what's that? I mean, I didn't, yeah. you know, I was like, what, what's that? Oh, and then it was, wasn't it named something like the. Yep. Yep. It was the Iron Horse Trail for a while. Um, John Wayne's. Yeah. John yeah and Wayne's that's why I think I heard of it as those. And so the Palouse to Cascades threw me. Okay. So yeah, they had to make it longer. It was entirely too convenient to say before. They had to make it Palouse to Cascades. <laughs> I like it. Where are we going now? We know. So you started off with the Wonderland Trail as a book. And then what we're we're what we're supposed to be talking about today is your fall color hikes book. So let's talk about that. And now as a as a professional couch potato. As I'm thumbing through your book, I see that the the first hike is you start off and the difficulty is hard. I mean, you don't yeah. ease people in. And you're like, in fact, it's the first seven are hard or are moderate. There's I have to get into like the seventh or eighth hike before there's an easy one. I'm kidding, but what what was the what's your backstory? Why did you decide and and what was it like to pitch mountaineers? I'm guessing you pitched them. Um, pitch mountaineers on hey, let's do a, a book on hike hiking in fall in Washington to take in the foliage because when I think of fall foliage, I think of, you know, New England. Yeah. And, and when I'm looking through and I'm looking through your book and I'm seeing it's beautiful and it, I've lived here my entire life and yes, I know it's beautiful, but I don't think of it that way. So what was your inspiration to, to put this book together? Well, uh, once again, back in the day, I started teaching a fall hikes, uh, book or color, you know, fall different people. I don't know. This is kind of a cult following this fall hiking crowd. Some people come out of the woodworks that don't hike in the summer because for whatever reason, they don't, the insects or the mm -hmm. heat or whatever, and they start hiking during the fall or there's people that are just love the colors and stuff. It's, it's almost like the wildflower chasers. It's kind of like the, it's this group of folks that love um, the larch march as they call it which mm -hmm. is going up to the larch trees. 
Uh Um, And so I started teaching classes on that back in the day and had done several different classes in different locations and people were spilling out of whatever conference room or auditorium I was teaching this in. And I quickly realized like, this is something that needs a a book, a guide for folks because they came to learn when I was speaking about fall and where to go. So I decided to write the 45 of the best hikes in Washington. And unfortunately, those aren't always easy to get to. So 45 of the very best may require, yeah, maybe a little tough to get to there. I did include some that are a little easier. Uh, Just, you know, there are a few where you can get there. If you have little kids or you don't hike that much or, you know, physical mobility issues or something. But more importantly, I also wanted to include the, you know, those folks in this book. Um, So there are eight scenic drives in here too. And those are for, for everybody. So if you're not a hiker, uh, maybe your happy place is sitting in front of the fireplace watching the Seahawks play. <laughs> and if so, that's fine too. That's a good place to be. I too enjoy that. Um, but you might want to just load up the car on Saturday when your team's not on and take a drive and, you know, fire in a thermos and some sandwiches and go cruise around and see the fall colors from the warmth and comfort of your vehicle with a heater. Okay. So very important question. Now the, the inspiration, I was thinking maybe the inspiration for this book was, you know, pumpkin spice Oh, because, because yeah. which I was hoping it wasn't because oh, there's this yeah. ongoing debate, whether anyway, uh, my friends and I have this ongoing debate, whether pumpkin spice is more important than tacos. And I'm firmly in team taco. Um, but you picked 45 hikes. When you started this book, did you have them all figured out in, ahead of time or did you did you have a bigger list how did how did you get to 45 what was the criteria to make it to the cut well obviously there are a lot of hikes in fact almost every hike in washington state has fall color if you go on almost any trail you're going to find huckleberry bushes turning and vine maples and um and so it was pretty hard i kind of, I wanted to include something from sort of all around the state, not just the corridors, the I-90 and US-2 corridors. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking back on all the hiking I've done and collectively the places that sort of were just really beautiful to me and that had color. And so some of the harder places that, you know, the Olympics, they're just known for their gorgeous moss and big saggy western red cedars and you know lots of river valleys and things like that you can get up to these gorgeous fall hikes um but a lot of them are very difficult to get to on a day in a day and things like that so um you know so in some of those cases i looked for big leaf maples um the hikes that i had been on where those trees are turning and things like that so um so those were some of the harder ones for me to really put in the book, but I wanted to include a couple. Um, And then same with the Spokane area, because Spokane is a lot of ponderosa pines. It's a lot of that kind of thing. But there is actually, there's an arboretum in Spokane that is downright gorgeous in the fall. And I put that one in there just, you know, for folks that want to grab a picnic and go sit under colors and take some photos of their kids or whatever. It's a beautiful place to visit. And so, you know, that kind of thing also appealed to me. I wanted to find just pops of color in different places, even in the city, um, but also, you know, where were the hikes that were most memorable? Where are the hikes that I go to when I'm, 
if I was someone was to come to town and I wanted to show Washington off in the fall, where would those be? And that's kind of that was kind of the guideline I used, um, and also assessing that that person's that visitor's abilities, right? And so mm-hmm. including some that were shorter and longer. And, and well, let me ask you this: I'm going to put you on the spot. So you're you're yeah. kind of in the Cascade area, uh, western side of the Cascades. If a friend of yours flew in from say Florida, and Portland. No, Florida. Oh, Florida. Okay. To, you know, what, what hike would you take them on? And let's just assume that they are a moderately healthy, active hiker. So not myself, but not necessarily somebody who's going to go, you know, do Rainier and Florida. I only get one. How many days are they in town? <laughs> oh, yeah. I want to put you on the spot with only one. Only, only one. one. I'm going to make All you right. do it. Um, if it was in prime, mm-hmm. I would in prime. probably... In prime. Okay. I would probably go up to Bellingham area and I would take them out to, um, there's chain lakes loop in mm-hmm. the book is just gorgeous. It's, um, it's a good one because there's a couple reasons. One is you could sort of drive out towards mountain loop highway and get some really great fall colors. You could go up there, knock that hike off. Uh, there's a lot of great places to have, a really great dinner up there in Bellingham too, but that hike um, is is a showpiece uh, okay. for fall. And you can see, Scott, if you're looking in the book there, uh, the coloration is is oh, it's, incredible. It's, it's, yeah. It is stunning. Yeah, it's just stunning, and there's lots to see. It would it would either be that one, or if we didn't want to do like the whole road trip thing, and we were trying to do something, um, I would also probably go to Ingalls, Lake Ingalls. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if that person had never seen mountain goats. Um, there is a tremendous amount of mountain goat activity up in that area. And it's pretty cool. In the fall, they're eating some of the large needles. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of down and right around the hiking area. And with that, I will say uh, these, these animals are incredible to look at. And one thing is that a lot of folks may think is that, oh, they're so used to seeing people, they're fairly tame and you can kind of walk by them. All of that is um, is a pretty big assumption. These are still giant animals with knives on their heads. So be very cautious. And a lot of them have have young and that time of year, they're, they're pretty docile overall, but someone in our state has been killed by a mountain lion, or excuse me, that too, um, <laughs> by a mountain goat. Mm-hmm. So just using your, you know, your wits about you when you're around those right. guys and try not to get that photo that is going to be the prize winner by sneaking up on them and getting too close. Uh, everybody's using their phone these days. And if you don't have a phone that is capable of doing a sort of um, close up pictures, you may want to just invest in some sort of pocket camera that can do a little closer photo with more clarity this is a good really great spot to see wildlife and get some shots well that's one of the other things you do is you take a lot of photography how'd you get into photography that was kind of another thing i did early on in college i had my own photography studio i worked for a company where i was going out doing a lot of photos for teams and things like that and then actually ended up doing weddings and all that back in the day and at some point uh I just started, you know, someone, I I took a a bunch of classes on it and this was back of course in the days of film. So I'm dating a bit here, but, um, but they, you know, one, I remember one professor saying, 
before long, we're going to have little copy machines. We're going to be running around and pointing at each other. And I remember thinking, that's great because instant gratification, I'll be able to see and improve and all that. Um, and then here it is, you know, years later and we're doing that. Uh, but yeah, I, I had a, back in the day, I had a dark room with chemicals, the whole thing and um, was developing pictures and, and yeah, so that was, that was back in the day. And then he also said something very profound in those classes, which was, your best photos are going to be subjects you love. So point your camera at what you love and you're going to find results. And that, that comment really hit me. And for me, that was wildlife. And it was for, it was just all the outdoor um, shots and different changing seasons and macro photos and all that. So I started just uh, pointing my camera at things I loved and haven't stopped really. When, so did you take the photographs in this book? Yes. Take, okay. So you took those. So what, what gear are you using when you're going out with the intention of shooting for, for a book? Well, I, I have a, a camera. Um, I use an actual camera, which okay. to some people that might seem strange, like who uses a camera anymore? Everybody has a phone, right? Right. Um, but I do, I use a Fuji right now. I'm using a Fuji film, uh, X-T5. Okay. And it's uh, it's an amazing camera. It can do a lot of great things. And so if someone is looking at getting a new camera, I highly recommend it. Um, and the Seattle audience uh, will appreciate, um, I'm just going to name drop here, but Blazers. Um, Blazers. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, you know, they've been around a long time. As long as I've been doing this, they have been a true supporter of, of everything. And there's such a great store. Um, if mm -hmm. you're, if you're someone who really wants to get into photography, drop yourself in there. Even if you don't know anything, they will educate you and give you the tools you need to get started. And it, you know, finding results like, um, this camera does 40 megapixels compared to most phones, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> that are not um, many phones are quite capable. Now I'm not, not down on phones by any stretch. And we're well, the camera that's going to take the best pictures is the one you have with you. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, you know, if you have your phone, by all means, use it um, at that. And that's a, your primary means use it. And a lot of people aren't shooting for publication. Many right. of them are shooting to share right mm -hmm. online, Instagram, social media, whatever. And so uh, phones do a great job of that. So um, but if you want some clarity in your shots for zooming in and things like that, you may want to consider a, a camera, um, some sort of mirrorless or something light. So I'm not familiar with the Fuji. So is that, is that a mirrorless camera and is, it, it, is, a, is yeah. it full frame? It's not full frame. It's crop sensor, but it does a fantastic job uh, with, with what it's capable of doing. It, mm -hmm. it may as well be a full frame, sure. uh, you know, in, in a smaller package. So technology has come so far with this mirrorless technology and the different frame framing and uh it's um and the megapixels with the the new cameras and things what they're able to do it's just crazy this camera sometimes i'll get the, the photos back i i took it out on on a photo shoot with owls and you know in the past um i i've been you know shooting a, lo a lot of wildlife and i and you you come back and you download all your photos and some are great and some are kind of like eh. i i came back and had a full huge and they're giant files right because this camera is so capable all these huge files and i was looking at them and they were all fantastic and i'm like oh well this is quite the quandary i've never had before which one <laughs> did i choose you know this one and so then literally you're looking at like which feathers 
look best on this owl kind of like you know you would on a person like is that their good side is that their is that their good so, side yeah is can you this can owl's just good a side? profile yeah that's so and that's the other thing about the, that's nice about mirrorless cameras is they're they're much much lighter lighter than, yeah and then so you it's not as much of a, a burden to carry um a mirrorless camera with you on a hike if you're you know if you're trying to keep what you're carrying light yeah um, i yeah. i have the fear of um if i were up with my camera outdoors i'd be afraid that i would f- fall and break my camera that would be that's that would be the thoughts that's going through my head the entire time is that i'm going to break my camera while i'm out here which would take away from the enjoyment which is probably why i would carry my phone with me which phones aren't cheap either but somehow they're i view them as disposable i don't know why um <laughs> anyway so you took all the f- photographs for this how long did this book take to put together because well let me ask you this before i let me re- i want more context in your opinion the prime season for fall color in washington state when what, what are you calling prime season well it changes every year right so someone might say when is wildflower season well it depends on the amount of snowpack and when the melt off is so fall colors are the same way it depends on how much drought we've had during the summer um fall can start as early as now honestly late Mm -hmm. august um all the way into october but peak is usually the beginning to mid October, but that depends Scott on a couple of things. One can be wind. If wind comes in and rips all the leaves off the trees, all it takes is one big windstorm. And then what you had hoped to do may not be as, you know, you may not see big leaf maples popping like they were a week ago. same thing goes with snow in the high country if you get a big snowstorm all those delicate little leaves sitting on the huckleberry bushes start falling off so this was a hard book to write in that respect as far as to photograph because you just don't know you know um you have a a calendar of different places you want to go and 45 hikes and eight scenic drives to photograph and you can't you know and fall is short here we have a window of opportunity that's like a month long Mm -hmm. um and so for me, it took several years to be able to get the right photos and, you know, to go up and, and do the exploration and then making sure the weather was cooperative too. I didn't want to get caught in some crazy storm that, you know, would, would be hazardous. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And that's the other thing about fall is, is you really do want to watch the weather on those. Right. Those so going to tie you into prime season. We're just oversimplifying it, but October. Okay. October. And you said it took you several years to get the photographs. So from the, the time that you go, there's a book here, I need to write this book, to Mountaineers publishing it. How long was that? Uh, it was probably three years. It's not terrible. Yeah. That's not, I mean, that's yeah, really, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty a, fast, actually. A, yeah. And it's a lot of, fo- it's a lot of focus on the season. Right. So, mm-hmm. so I might be working on other projects and then, you right. know, fall comes around and it's all hands on deck to get this book done. So I stop everything I'm doing and then start working on fall. And, um, it's a, it's a really great job. It's a, it's a ton of fun to do this writing. Um, cause I'm, I'm out and I'm out in the outdoors uh, mm-hmm. all the time. Um, but, but there is some, there's a little bit of stress around it, right? I've got to get the photos and I've got to get this time frame and, and I have deadlines. I have a contract uh, with a publisher that requires 
that I turn things in on time. So I can't just always tell mother nature that. So there is a little <laughs> bit of that, you know, <laughs> she was pretty gracious with me. I have to say on this fall color books, but I learned a lot about fall and mm -hmm. just how sensitive and moody it can be. Do, do you have anyone helping you? Does your, does your husband go along with you? Do you do all this? Are you hiking by yourself? Do you take somebody with you? Is it a mixed mix of those things? How, most, walk me through, walk me through, pick one of yeah. the hikes and walk me through how you took that hike with the intention of putting it in the book. Well, um, you're pretty much at the beginning of your, your planning stages, you're putting together your comprehensive list mm -hmm. of the hikes that you know and love and are the favorite ones you want to put in. And there might be we might say there's 55 or 60 of them, 45 make it to the book. Why? Well, some of them may have washed out forest roads that are absolutely in, impassable, you know, or, um, or there's a lot of alternative traffic using it during that time of year, like hunting and things like that. Maybe it's just not the safest place to send people. I don't want anyone to get into a situation where, you know, they're going to be, feel they're, uncomfortable so and then that that said all, many of them are open to hunting so but but you know there's some that are more popular than others mm -hmm. then um you know at that point once you have your list you're kind of choosing your weather patterns and trying to find the best opportunities as far as your schedule to hike um, all of these things do not make it easy for someone to join me because there's very few people that can just unplug very, a lot of this is spur of the moment. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, today I'm going up to, um, Maple Pass and, you know, it, and it might be that morning that I decide to go up there because the weather looks slightly better up there. And so I can't tell someone, okay, meet me at eight o'clock because I'm not even sure if I'm heading up there or so it, it makes it kind of hard. So majority of the time I am hiking by myself. Okay. Um, my husband is not a huge hiker. He enjoys it, but he's very, you know, he's, he likes to go occasionally, but he would, there's other things he would rather do. If it doesn't involve breaking bones or high energy adrenaline things, oh. it's maybe not as exciting for him. Okay. <laughs> he's that guy. He loves, he loves being, like, you know, he, he, he skis and, um, okay. rides this mountain bike and that okay. kind of stuff, but hiking right. is a little, is a little, maybe a little more chill. So that part doesn't appeal to him as much. I'm trying to set, set, set this up kind of delicately, but he does hike with me. Okay. Um, so that, that leaves me and friends. Um, I do have a, a couple of photos in the book of, um, beautiful humans who have come with me when I've twisted their arm because it's nice to hike with other people. It's just mm -hmm. logistically so challenging at times when this is your living, you're doing this every single day. Um, and the whole planning aspect and all that can be tricky too. Okay. You also have some other books, which we're just going to superficially, you know, skim, skim over, but Mount Adams and goat rocks, uh, by the way, that's day hiking for Mount Adams and goat rocks. And you've got hiking the Pacific Coast Trail, which we talked about. You've got day hiking Mount Rainier. That's in its second edition. And then um, you've got a smartphone app. Now, how on the earth did you did you did you develop the app? Did you work with somebody to develop the app? What's yeah, going on so, there? Yeah. So um, anybody listening to this that's in the uh, hiker community will be familiar with the former trail app called Gut Hook Gut Hook Guides. 
um, they became a company called Far Out, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's an awesome trails app. And um, they approached me. I had my Wonderland Trail. They call it the Wonderland Trail Bible, my book, um, the Wonder Hiking the Wonderland Trail. So they approached me and said, "Hey, um, we know that you have this guidebook, um, and we would love to have you included on an app. So let's work together." So I went out, ran the tracks, took all the photos for the app. Um, helped them on that. And they did a lot of the developing. Um, we went back and forth on accuracy, of course, and updating and all that. So that's, yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. So that's I, a- I'm really proud of that. It's a, it's a beautiful app. It's, it's an amazing app for it's crazy technology, what it can do. Yeah. It's just in our lifetime, look at the technology that's changed Yeah, I mean, just in our lifetimes. Okay. Yeah. So I have one other question about your books and then I'm going to shift gears on you. So earlier on, and I may be putting you on the spot and you can decline to answer this, but we'll shame you into it. Just kidding. (laughs) You said you had something else in the works. What, what, what can we maybe see in the future from you? So right now I am rewriting the day hiking Snoqualmie region book. Okay. So I am actively out in the mountains. So if anybody's out there and recognizes me, please say hi. <laughs> I'm okay. usually by myself, um, looking uh, looking a little crazy with a big pack and my GPS and all the data I'm trying to collect. Um, and so uh, yeah, so that one. And then I have another book coming out that is a fun project I've been working on for a while. And uh, that one I won't reveal just yet, but it's uh, it's coming along. It's going to be a fun book. This one is a little less guidebook and more fun read. Okay. All right. So earlier on, I kind of made you pick a hike if a friend of yours came into town and you were going to take them, which is really an unfair thing to do to say, you, you, you know, you, you must pick just one thing. But <laughs> I'm going to show up in North Bend. And as you know, because I told you, I love coffee. Where would I go for coffee in North Bend or around the area? You know, I'll, it doesn't have to be North Bend. It can be Snoqualmie. It can be Auburn. I don't care. Where, where do you, where should I go for coffee? So we have a fun little coffee shop in town called Vintage Baristas, which is a, a new name. Um, it, used to be Pioneer Coffee. They changed it recently to Vintage Baristas. I love it. It's um, it's cool. It's run locally. It's hometown. It's They make fantastic coffee. They have lots of pastries. It's a good place. It's the it's the kind of the, the comfy couch kind of coffee shop, right? So it's the place you want to go when you're having a business meeting or catching up with a friend or even just to grab a cup of coffee and read your email. So um, what, it, what is your coffee of choice? You and I are going to go there. What are you going to order? I would order a cappuccino. I'm kind of boring that way. Um, probably wet and um, extra foam. Okay. Yeah. What are you ordering? I'm, I'm a drip coffee person. You yeah. Know? Now, if they don't have good drip, and a lot of, a lot of places don't, I'll, I'll go for an Americano or if I can get a, a French press or a pour over, you know, if I can do that, that's, yeah. I just like simple, plain black coffee. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong, wrong with, with, with cappuccinos. There's nothing wrong. I, and I'll drink those on a, on an occasion, but my go-to when I'm 
drinking coffee is black coffee. Like at home, like today I'm drinking something from an AeroPress. Are you familiar with, do you ever take that? If you go hiking? Every, no. from, so an AeroPress is just this, it's a tube. It's like a, a portable little espresso plunger. And oh, I've seen these. Yes. Yeah. And there, it makes, I, that's pretty much how I drink my coffee every day at home how is, cool I, is I make an AeroPress and, and it's simple. It's quick. It's easy to clean up. It's all the things that are lovely about coffee. Um, I'm too impatient to do a nice pour over. Um, I drink too much coffee. The French press will get, you know, or I don't drink French presses get cold. And um, mm. I mean, I have all the gadgets. I, my dining room is, you know, a laboratory of coffee equipment. I have one of those <laughs> siphon presses and things like that. Um, but my go-to is an AeroPress. And well, let me ask you this. Uh, have, you've been to Twisp before. Yeah. Have you ever been to Blue Star Coffee in Twisp? I have. Okay. So have you been to their new location or the old one? When the old one was in that little, it was a warehouse metal building. It was really tiny. I went to the one off the highway to the right as you're heading south. Is so that, that the one I'm thinking of? That's, yeah, that's the original. That's, that's the, the original. Old, okay. So that, I went to the original. They have a new location now, which is oh. much larger. It's very nice. I... I love going there. That's probably my favorite coffee in the state of Washington is, is their mm -hmm. coffees. I really, I really like, in fact, I make a, I'll drive 50 miles round trip out of my way to go to wow. twist. Um, that's quite a testimony. Yeah. But they, but they do, a, they do arrow presses there. And that's so any, oh. any, any coffee shop that'll do an arrow presses thumbs up with me. Okay. I'm definitely looking into this. Yeah. Check, when you go up me. there, cause that's, you're going to be hiking in that area. I mean, yeah. it's beautiful up there, yeah. right? full, full of opportunities. Um, my endorsement is for, is for blue star. Um, but vintage baristas, you said they changed their name and what was it before? Um, pioneer coffee and they may still be affiliate. I'm not sure how that all works. Pioneer is in Cleelum and they do a great cup of coffee also. Right. They do. Um, yeah. But yeah. That's because my first experience with pioneer was in Cleelum first. And then, and then they said that they had a location in North Bend that I had yeah. never been to. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so it's delicious. I like, I like the hometown feeling of it too. There's well, something it, for ambiance. Have you been to the, the pioneer coffee in Cleola? I have. Mm -hmm. So is the one in North Bend similar layout kind yeah. of the couch? Okay. So yeah, you're yeah. right. It's comfy couches. Great place to yeah. just sit and have a cup of coffee and chat with a friend. Love it's what you want in a coffee shop. It's exactly all that it checks all the boxes. Right. Right. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. Yeah. You kind of want that feeling of, you know, warmth and casual and I don't know. Yeah. That's the, those are the shops that I tend to, to, to gravitate towards as well as the ones that are, um, homespun, if you will, maybe yeah. just not, not quite so, uh, corporate and clinical. There's yep. if, they, if they have at least one or two handwritten signs, I'm in. <laughs> okay. That's my, that's, that's the how criteria. You know. All right. Yeah. That's it. how you know. Okay. So, I'm going to, because you, you travel a lot now in the state. So I'm going to put you, I'm going to follow up questions to that coffee. Where else do you go to get coffee around the state? Any other places you want to share? Uh, boy, coffee in the state. I am not an aficionado like you are, Scott. I love my coffee, but, uh, well, where do you go? I, so well, let's, let's say you're going to Spokane where we, I'm putting you on the spot with Spokane. 
<laughs> you can say Starbucks. You can say Starbucks. It's okay. But um, no, no, I mean, I will look for, you know, I'll be driving along. If I see a coffee stand, even provided mm-hmm. it's not a bikini barista, because that's like not one of the things I'm looking for in my coffee shop. But fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. But you do you, folks. You do you. Um, and so, anyway, but if I see a stand, I'll swing in and. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I'm impressed. Sometimes I'm like, well, you know, the muffins are from Costco and whatever their other things you can kind of tell when it's like, they're kind of cheap. You know what I mean? Like they're trying to, and and I don't, I don't blame anyone for that. You got to make a buck in this life and it's hard to do selling cups of coffee. So, you know, if that works for you, you do it. But for me, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a a little nook. I'm looking Mm -hmm. for a shop. I'm looking for that. Um, and I don't have like ones that I constantly hit except locally here. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually have a, an espresso machine at home because when I'm writing, I'm tied to a desk. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, you know, I want, I want to be able to go into my kitchen, make a great cup of coffee and, and drink it at my desk without having to run down into town all the time when sure. I'm in town, it's fine. But if I'm, if I'm focused. So um, I have a machine that I that I use that does an okay job. Um, no, and, and, and so I drink the vast majority of the coffee I drink is is stuff I drink at home. So let me yeah. put you on the spot. What beans are you buying? What beans am I buying? I like Cafe Affectionado. Okay. Yeah, they're good. Um, Pete's. I like Pete's sometimes. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Solid. Um, so it just depends. Depends yeah. on my mood. I like a dark bean. I like oily bean. Okay. I want to taste the flavor. I want to taste the oil in the coffee. Is that? And I, I like I'm a hundred percent with you. I'm a hundred percent with you on this. Yeah. And I want, and the, the cappuccino part to me is that I like the flavor of a pure, strong hair on your chest kind of coffee, but I also need, a. I it's sometimes it's a lot, you know, mm-hmm. when you're, when you're yeah. really going in. Sometimes you just need not just a sip, but a big mouthful. Mm -hmm. And if you do that too much with that oily coffee, that super heavy hair on your chest kind, then it kind of makes you feel um, like you need just something to break it up a little. So for me, the cappuccino is like, okay, now you have this really rich, thick espresso that is super delicious, but then you also have this foam milk. So it's not like you're going in for the latte with the extra milk. It's just a foamy milk. So mm-hmm. it cuts that for me. So that's why cappuccino is my drink. No, yeah, no, it's, a, well, it's, it's your drink. It's completely valid, but also in my opinion, it's a very valid reason. I mean, that's, I a hundred percent agree with you. If I'm going to drink a non just coffee, yeah, I might have a breve. I, yeah. I tend to like it with either with the heavy cream. I will tell you this, and I can't believe I'm going to admit this on a recording where it can be used against me, but <laughs> lately, my go-to at home coffee is Safeway's Italian roast beans. Good to know. They're dark, they're oily, and it's a solid, plain cup of coffee. It's oh. just so- and, I, and it's two pounds for like 12 bucks at Safeway. Wow. So okay. it's like, it's cheap and not, not that I'm cheap, but it's, it's hard to argue for the money. It's so hard to argue with the value. Now I tend to buy blue star coffee a lot, but I also always have a bag of Safeway sitting around somewhere in the, in the container. Mm. Do you ever mix the two? 
No, that would be that would be um Okay, yeah, that's completely that wrong. I mean I can't I can't we we should hang up right now. We're done. The conversation <laughs> Well, I was also <laughs> gonna confess something while we're confessing safely okay. since. So I uh I have a travel trailer and sometimes when I'm doing this stuff, I'll bring the travel trailer uh, on my various research sure. in the outdoors and, and just stay in the backcountry a little bit. Well, it's not really backcountry, it's more front country, but Anyway, go to the back country, go back to the travel trailer or a tent, whatever. Mm -hmm. But when I'm in the travel trailer, I often have to figure out a quick and easy meal at the end of the night. And mm -hmm. this is hard to do when you have limited cooking means, right? And so um, uh, the other day I bought a Safeway Select frozen pizza. And <laughs> I was perusing the aisle and I was like, oh, I wonder, it's been a while. I should see what those are all about again. So, but I bought this brand because it was on sale. I think it was like $5.99. And I put it in the little oven in the trailer and I was in sweet heavenly bliss. It was so <laughs> good. The cheese on it was more than like DiGiorno or other brands. And I was eating it like, yeah, I, I was I was so happy. It was weird. It was like the Safeway Select pizza that just made my night. And so I was, yeah, I was down to the Safeway Select. So okay. it doesn't surprise me that the beans are good too. Yeah, they're that solid. Was, was awesome. Yeah. I'll call them solid. I won't call them goods a little, I don't want to give that much credit to them. But what if it was labeled differently in a taste test and someone was like, okay, these are, and you have to go in. If you didn't know it was Safeway Select, would you be like, this, this is, this is the I, best I would tip. Ever. I would. I would edge more towards good. To be fair, yeah. Um, it's not as nuanced, and I'm not. Like, I am not a fan of light roasted coffees that are, you know, with with berry overtones and you know hints of jasmine and blah blah blah. I I I like oily dark coffee. It's. I mean, I'll drink coffee from a truck stop. I mean, I don't necessarily like it, but I will drink it. Yeah. So I tend to like you know a darker oilier, more mouth, mouthfeel coffee than I do. Some of these real high, I'll call them highbrow, not being, trying not, not trying to be disrespectful because I have a lot of friends in the coffee roasting industry. Um, but I don't care for the, the lighter roast stuff. I like a, a more robust, solid bean. And realistically, if it's Safeway, it's roasted by one of two companies. You named one of them, the, and the other one is Starbucks. I mean, Safeway's yeah. not roasting their own beans. They're buying them from somebody. And it's probably a Green Mountain company, which would be Pete's or Starbucks. We need to get to the bottom of this and find out who's roasting Safeway's coffee. Yeah, they, boy, those. It's a mystery. Know, well, it's like Costco doesn't like you to know when they label things Kirkland brand who the well, Costco probably doesn't care. The brand doesn't want you to know that they've sold yeah. them in bulk to to Kirkland. Yeah, so I'm sure it's under lock and key, right? Probably. Yeah. And, yeah. but I do know somebody that works at Safeway. I can ask. So maybe follow up to this. All right. But you mentioned food. <laughs> so once again, North Bend area, lunch, where's a great place to grab lunch? Well, it depends on what you're in the mood for, of course, but um, we have a lot of really great local places here. There's a couple that come to mind. One is called Rio Bravo. Uh, shout out to those guys. It's a little taco place. Um, you know, when I think of food, I want fresh ingredients. I want a company that cares. 
Mm-hmm. And I say that not just about their food and their preparation and the way that it's served and all that, but I also want someone who is engaged in the community um, that's doing cool stuff within the community. And this company is so solid for that. They've been in North Bend, the, their owners have been in North Bend for a long time. Um, everybody just loves them. It's They have a great symbiotic relationship with this community. Okay. The food is bomber it's so good um okay. obviously hispanic food um but they have all different types of things and they're authentic it's very authentic it's good um there's picnic tables outside there may even be handwritten signs which <laughs> can, can it get any better i mean come on um and uh yeah they're just they're just great they're yummy um so that's one of the the ones i really love um the other one if you're not in the mood for like a mexican food is uh there's a Greek place that does really good pitas called Apollo. And you wouldn't necessarily even know it's there. It kind of hides in a strip mall by Safeway. But it's it's called Apollo. And they have amazing salads, too. If you want something lighter, they do really good salads, Mediterranean chopped salads, chicken chops, all those. And then they also do different types of, of pitas. Hmm. And they do... Like, and it's kind of one of those, you know, like Greek can be, Greek can go like as a heavy dinner option where there's lots of, you know, just falafel and all that heavy stuff. Or or you could do like the lunch version and that's kind of where they're at. You can obviously eat it for dinner too, but, um, sure. but they're more like you go up and you order and then mm-hmm. you sit down and they bring it to you, you know, so it's a little more casual, um, but really good food. Okay. Yeah. Hand, handwritten signs. Um, possibly like if they don't, if their CO2 machine isn't working or something, they may say, you know, sodas are out of the refrigerator today, that kind of thing. So they get my vote for that. Let's go back to, to, to Rio Bravo. What's your go-to meal at at Rio Bravo? What are you ordering? Love their quesadillas. Okay. I know that's kind of a generic food, but, um, boy, oh boy, can they do a good quesadilla? Okay. In fact, I want one right now. What time is it? It's kind yeah, of it's, early. It's, you know, it's, it's, well, it's to, to, for breakfast. Yeah, yeah, sure. To, you know, it's five o'clock somewhere type attitude. You can That's have it. There you go. All right. So I prepped you for this. You ready? Uh-oh. Ready for the question? Here it is. Not so much, but, but All hit right. me. All right. Cake or pie? Oh, okay. And why? And why? Oh. Oh, that's the easiest question out there, Scott. Come on, you got to hit me harder with something. No, some people, like I was telling you, some people are like you. Boom, answer, easy. Some people oh. are like, uh, right arm or left leg. I don't know which one I'm going to lose. Uh, this is tough. So you picked cake. Why? Cake is, it, it has it has eggs. Um, you can eat it for breakfast. Um, <laughs> you could... <laughs> You, you could, cake is, I, I don't know. I could just, it's, it's probably my favorite food in the world. I could just, if I could just live in a world where all we ate is cake, I would be happy as pigs in a puddle. Like if it could actually give you nutrients and sustain you without making you gain weight and do bad things to your teeth and health. But it's, um, there's so many different varieties of it. Um, that there's so much density in in the cake itself, is it mm-hmm. going to be tender? Like, um, is it going to be moist, like a tiramisu kind of thing? Or is it going to be, um, you know, is there a buttercream frosting or, or is it more of a whipped cream frosting or cream cheese frosting? Um, what is the mystery of the layers? 
when you dig that fork in, is it going to be raspberry you're going to find, or is it like a cream filled um, cake? And, and uh, I mean, there are a, a variety of different cakes out there that I love. I could, you could almost name any cake and I would be, I would be up for a slice. Yeah. Carrot, um, German chocolate, red velvet, uh, like even like people that do the cool Neapolitan ones where they do like the chocolate cake and then the strawberry filling and then the vanilla on top. And then, yeah, it's, um, cake is a beautiful thing. It really is. And there are towns like, um, when I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, there's a town called Julian that is like known for their pies. In fact, there's even one shop there used to be anyway. I don't know if they're still doing this because a copious number of PCT hikers these days, but the pie, one of the pie shops you could go in and uh, they you'd show them your PCT permit and they'd give you a free slice of pie. And I went in there and I was like, where's the cake town? I need the cake town. I haven't found the cake town yet. Does anyone know of the cake town? Because I need to visit. So maybe that's a new new venture for you is to put, put a yeah. cake town somewhere along the PCT or maybe the Palooza Cascades or something. I mean, maybe North Bend needs a cake shop. Just, you That'd know, be great. Yeah. I, yeah. I, well, they actually have the North Bend bakery does mm-hmm. a really good job with cakes. Okay. Um, and so it's a, it's a small little awesome bakery too. Okay. I have no business going in there because <laughs> I want everything in their pastry counter. Right. Yeah, my- I have no self-control when it comes to that, that bakery. It's beautiful inside there with just about everything that will make you drool. And they have right. pies too. All right. So if you're the pie person, that's good. I, and most people I feel like are pie people. Don't you think Scott? I think more people are, more people are pie. I would say yeah. and it's funny. One of the things that we're going to do is go back through the episodes and uh, begin to keep track of the votes. So this is my unofficial reaction because I'm the person asking the question. And I stole this question from somebody else in full, yeah. full disclosure. I, I, I had a guest on and that episode never got published because the audio quality was bad. And so she, maybe she'll hear this and I should tip my cap to her. But <laughs> this is a question they were they were asking. And I'm like, oh, that's a great question. I'm stealing that question. Because it does the and why part of it. It's easy to say, oh, I'll take cake or I'll take pie. But no, now why? So yeah. What I think, this is my faulty memory. I'm going to say it's probably 70, 30 pie, approximately. But I will say that the pie lovers are more disdainful of cake than the cake lovers (laughs) are of pie. It's very interesting. The the, the, uh, pie lovers throw a lot of shade. Um, wow. and I don't know why, I mean, I'm just, this is just my recollection of people being very, see, you're very pro cake. You're very adamant. But then at the end you said, you know, they have pie. And if you're a pie person, you were, you were inclusive. You were welcoming. <laughs> Others welcoming to the pie eaters. You were welcoming to the pie people, but pie people are not welcoming to, to cake people. Just, just yeah. very, it's very interesting. Very, I never thought cake or pie would be polarizing, but it's kind of that way. It is. Yeah. Who knew? So, so I told you it was going to be a fun question and it, you it was know, a super fun question, you know, and it's supposed yeah. to, it's supposed to be, you know, it's supposed to invoke a, a little bit of conversation and, and it, it has, has worked there. So as I, have, we, I, have a, I have a question about that though, because if you have a party now and you have dessert on the table, 
do you do the i mean you have to please everybody so do you do like the majority pies and then just a small little cake i mean based on those numbers alone or do you just say forget it everybody's getting cookies or like what what how does that shake out i i'm not prepared to answer that <laughs> it just made me think no because i, I yeah. You're right. I mean, okay. So when was wedding, last... for example, well, yeah, they don't know what show was I watching where they're talking about having wedding pie instead of wedding cake. It was just recently it came on. I was laughing hysterically because they wanted to have a pie. The guy yeah. wanted to have a pie and the wife's or the soon to be wife. No, we're having cake. It was, it was almost grounds for a divorce. Pre, <laughs> you know, it was really, I got to remember what show that was. I, Well, first off, I'm probably, if it's at our house, there'll probably be more pie than cake. But at our house, they would both be gone. So it's it's not like, (laughs) it's not like, no. So, I mean, it's like there, there would, there'd be enough people to consume both, both options. And some people would probably have a little of both. And ice cream would probably go on both. I mean, that's just, yeah. ice cream is kind of the glue that binds everything together and makes everything okay. Oh, ice cream is the peacekeeper. Yeah, I think I think so. We um, can all agree on ice cream. Yeah, I think we can all agree on ice cream. Wow. So all right. well, as that's we good. wrap Maybe this up, yeah, as that's we wrap where this, we start as a community, getting the pie people and cake people to agree. Bridge, bridge together with ice cream. Yeah. Perfect. Um, as we wrap, as we wrap <laughs> this up. What didn't I ask you that I should have? What didn't we cover that you would like to bring out now? If anything. Oh, um, well, I have a book on hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, Washington. I think we talked on that briefly, but that would be the, um, the one thing, you know, there's a lot of folks looking to do the PCT, but not everybody wants to take five months to be in the, right. in the back country. Some people do, but they can't get the time off work too. So this book on hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, Washington is a book designed for folks that want to hike it trailhead to trailhead or logical point to logical point. Okay. It is super data rich. Got a lot of info in there on the different backcountry camps options, and you can actually plan your trip. I have itineraries and suggestions in there, uh, roughly based on where there are camp spots. So that's helpful to folks okay. if they want to try to do it in X amount of days or or whatever. But that's a that's a good book for planning and things like that. And then um, yeah, I just throw that out there because I know there's I talk to a lot of people that are wanting to do the PCT but are a little confused about like how do I start and so. That's actually a really great way to even just start, start hiking, start, just chunk, take a chunk of the PCT and hike it. Excellent. So I do have one question that I should have asked you earlier on. And I'd like to ask authors this question. Where did you first see your book in public? And what did you think when you saw it? Probably the most exciting memory I have of that is so I had written hiking the Wonderland Trail and I went down to Mount Rainier and I was uh sitting at the National Park Inn in Longmire having breakfast um and I was going out to do some research for another book and um some trail work I was doing and I looked over and I saw this woman this was in June and she had my book in her hands and she was highlighting and going through all the things so I went over to her And I said, how was that book? 
she goes, oh my gosh, it's great. And, you know, she had all the right answers, which was good. But I also would have accepted negative feedback. Sure. So I like to hear if there's something that can be improved. But she was very uh, overwhelmingly positive. And, and I said, are you planning on hiking it? She said, I'm leaving tomorrow. And I said, so what have you found super valuable within its pages? And she was showing me. And then I introduced myself, of course. And we did the quintessential selfie. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was super fun to see it in use. And right. I signed it for her and um, that kind of thing makes me most happy. Seeing it in bookstores is great too, but seeing people using it. And I actually have had the joy of seeing like people using it on the Wonderland Trail. And that's so cool. that's been fun too, seeing it in, in use in the backcountry. People actually carry it with them. That's and then cool. I always tell them, you know, you can take pictures or rip pages out. And I've even sent people copies when I've seen them ripping pages. I'm like, let me send you a new one. So you have it at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, where can people find out more about you, more about your books? Where should they go in today's social media world? Where do you drive people to? Probably my website is the best place because it has all my my uh, channel links, but it's Tammy, T-A-M-I, and then my last name, which is Asars, spelled A-S-A-R-S.com. And so um, TammySars.com has links to all my books, the apps. Um, you can drop me a line, say hi. I love hearing from people, by the way. I love, and I also love, if you've used any of my books, hearing feedback from folks like, oh, this was so helpful. I really appreciated this. This helps me because every once in a while, these books get reprints and revisions. Mm -hmm. And I had, I'll, I'll tell you a real quick example. I had um, recently a guy named Joe um, approached me and he was like, Hey, um, I, I found this really great breakfast nook spot along the wonderland. And I, I just loved it. Um, and I was like, Oh, that's, I, I know where you're talking about. And he's like, yeah, it's not in your book. And I was like, yeah, it's not, maybe I should put it in there. So now it's kind of like Joe's breakfast nook spot. And when I'm going to go do the rewrite, I'll probably put that in there. Thanks to Joe. So if someone has suggestions or, or I also just love to hear people's stories. Part of why I do this, Scott is seeing, I've been doing this a long time and I've visited these places many times, but seeing the first time people see this stuff, there's no greater joy for me because experiencing it through their eyes is kind of like watching I don't want to compare people to children, you know, adults to children, but you know, when, when a, when a kid sees experiences something for the first time, it's so much joy for that, like mm -hmm. parent to watch that. And for me, it's kind of that way with writing these books. It's like you, you birth this book, you write, you t spend all this time and labor birthing this book and you put it out there in the, in the world for people to use. And then you watch them use it and you see their joy mm -hmm. and the same contentedness I felt when I wrote that that caused me to write that book I see vicariously through them again and it, and that's why I write and so when people write me notes and say hey you know this inspired me or I had a really hard time in life and I found your book and I I did this trip or I, I did this day, day hike and I there's so much peace out there and they send pictures it's, there's no greater email than that to me that's awesome all right well thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me to talk you know the virtues of cake Absolutely. <laughs> why, why, why I should dress like a Dorito. I mean, this is a food themed episode and I didn't, I had no clue we were going to go anywhere, but I will say this about Mountaineer Press, all their books, not just yours, but yours included. They're lovely. They do a great job of the physical book is well put together. The, the printing, the, cl the clarity, everything about 
what they publish. Every every author that has a book on Mountaineer Press that I have a copy of, they're all beautiful books. You guys, they do a great job for you. And that's, yeah, they're they're a great organization, definitely. Yeah, yeah very solid, um, kind-hearted people that work there too. Yeah, they've been and they've been you know lovely to uh, introduce me to authors um, like yourself that are doing some cool things. Again, thank you for your time, and I'm looking forward to seeing what's next from you, even though you won't share it with us yet, but we'll see it soon. I'm sure it's coming. It's coming. And uh, you have a wonderful day. Thanks, Scott. I really appreciate the interview. Have a great day. You too. Hope you enjoyed the show. You can reach me on Twitter at Explore Law State. I'd love to hear your comments. You can also visit our website at explorewashingtonstate.com. If you know anyone who would like the show, it'd be amazing if you'd share the show with them. This is the biggest way that we grow this show. Good old word of mouth. Glad you were here with me today, and I hope to have you listening to the next episode. See you then.